Hello and welcome to the WIFT podcast. This is Dr. Susan Liddy, Chair of WIFT Ireland. WIFT member, performer, writer and film director Aoife Nick Ardle chats here to casting director Ali Coffey. I'm Aoife Nick Ardle and I spoke with Ali Coffey, who is one of Ireland's busiest casting directors. Since leaving school at 15, she has grafted her way to being the successful businesswoman that she is today. This is us in her Ranala office here in Dublin. And the turn of the tide. Um, well, I actually started in 1996 when I was 16. I became an assistant to another casting director, um, Gillian Reynolds is her name. I had been acting actually for a little while as a teenager. And I was going in and out to her to audition for, for a show. I think it was EastEnders. Um, I went down like three or four rounds and I still didn't get the part at the end. And I was gutted as you are as an actor. And she was like, I've got, an, I've got a film coming up. If you're not doing anything else, do you want to come in and help me? And I'd already left school early. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So I ended up uh, just a pure chance kind of meeting an opportunity that she gave me. How did the acting come about? Um, well, my first role, which was kind of fitting, was in a, an indie flick um, called How to Cheat in the Leaving Cert. And so it was all about, like, it was a real anti-establishment crew and script and things, and they were talking about the fact that the, the Leaving Cert just measures one type of intelligence, and there are so many, and this really resonated with me, and it was a large part of the reason I didn't go back to school. So my poor mother, because um, she was the one who brought my attention to the ad in the paper when they were looking to cast it. <laughs> so she's still not the better of it, and it was not her plan. Um, so I did that, and then I did some soap work over in the UK um, on Hollyoaks and Dream Team, and... Uh, bits and pieces of other stuff here then along the way and long rest periods in between. I, every time I saw somebody on screen or on stage who was young and I was just filled with envy of like, how can I be them? I want to be them. And I just like, even if I was at the pantomime, I remember just like hanging out of my seat going, how did those kids my age get to be up there? You know, but of course my parents and things had no connection to the business. So nobody knew. So we just, I just trundled on, you know, until I figured it out for myself a few years later. That's actually really tenacious though, because at 15 you got a film and you... Well, it was great. That was down to my mum who, who spotted the ad and then I went and met the director, Graham Jones, who's still a great friend of mine. We've actually cast a couple of his other movies now, so it's kind of come around full cycle, which is great. Then the kind of rest happened from there. I got an agent after I had to cheat and then, then the rest was just the, the auditions when they came up. But as you know yourself, they can be few and far between. So you kind of are always looking for something else to pay the bills so you can hang in there. My first job was um, when I was rehearsing for How to Cheat, I worked on the checkout in Super Value in Churchtown. And uh, that was pretty funny because um, I, I told all my teachers that I was leaving school to do a film. And then because my school was nearby the supermarket, they used to come in and be like, because I'd been quite troublesome in school. And they would say, how's the film going, Ali? Like, and nobody believed me. And I was like, actually really well. We're rehearsing at night, I promise. <laughs> you know? But nobody believed me. And um, that was quite funny. And, uh, and then my dad had a nightclub, so I used to take the cash on the door and um, so I'd work there a lot of nights and that was really handy because it meant my days were free then I used to um, chaperone children on film sets that was a great gig and I minded kids and I worked in a flower shop and uh, delivered flowers and um, what else did I do and then I did voiceover work 
all sorts of bits and pieces like that. Whatever was whatever was knocking around. I did some work as an AD, as a location thing. Anything that people wanted to hire me for, I was up for. And so, at this stage, are you done with acting, or do you ever see yourself maybe dipping the toes back in? Um, no, I'm done. Um, I am done with acting. I had a, a really fun experience about five years ago. Can't believe it's that long. Might even be longer. And um, no, probably about five years ago with Pam Pam Theatre Company. Their play, the rehearsal playing the Dane, where I played their uh, casting director on stage. Um, for um, it was about the casting of Hamlet, so it was fantastic because I was able to observe the whole process and get the feeling of what it was like to be involved in a really great play because I never had that back when I was acting. That was fascinating, but I was just being myself and I just had a few lines to throw in and basically I was an observer to the process and that was amazing. So that ticked a major box for me, but no, I'm completely done. I do some voice work, um, but that's very, very kind of a different kind of world, but acting is behind me now for sure. <laughs> How did you how did you get cast in that? Like who who approached you or Gavin Quinn, who's the director of the theatre company? It was friends with Louise Kiley, and it was then through her that she recommended me to him. She's a friend of mine as well, and um, and she suggested that I might be good for it. So they just they just came and asked me. That's like art imitating life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was it was one of the best experiences I've ever had because I really got to see how super talented people put together a piece that's incredible and moving and brilliant. And yeah, I still like I still happily think back on that time of like it really inspired me in loads of ways. And it's great to see people, you know, doing something they feel so passionate passionate about up close, you know, and creating art. It was that was a really great experience. Did you tour at all with that? How long was the run? Yeah, we did. We um, it won the Dublin Theatre Festival that year, and then we went to all around Ireland, and then to um, Ohio and New York, and um, off Broadway, and uh, that was amazing. And then they went on around the world, and I came back to my office and got busy casting. <laughs> back to the back to the grind. Yeah, absolutely. But it was it was to, to get to go over to New York and stuff with such an amazing bunch of people. It was so much fun. into acting or is anyone else theatrically inclined? No, um, not at all. Um, I mean, they might be theatrical in their way, but not in their professions. Um, everybody is kind of entrepreneurial in my family. It's quite like a, a businessy type um, and small venture and, and entrepreneurial bent. So my brother's in the legal game and then my sister and my mum and dad have all been self-employed and doing their own thing. And, and the same for my extended family. So um, nobody in the arts, but, but a keen interest in the arts from, from some of them, and, uh, but nobody uh, working in the arts at all. Did you have that entrepreneurial spirit instilled in, in you when you, were, when you were young? Yeah, definitely. We, we used to just chat about business things a lot around the table when I was very young. And um, we talked about kind of like my dad had some nightclub nights and things like that. And we used to talk about names for those. And, you know, our opinion was always kind of like we were always involved in the conversation, even when we were very young. And then being in on the door of the nightclub, taking the cash and doing all of those things that you really you started to see things through kind of from a business perspective. But how much have I inherited or picked up since I was a kid? That nature versus nurture. So attracted you to casting and what do you love about it? Um, well, I remember when I was first working with Gillian at 16 that I was like, my job was photocopying a script, running up and down the stairs to let people in and reading in with actors. And it was brilliant because it was like, um, it was like, um, you know, a hothouse kind of training because we'd maybe see five or six people for the same part and then 
Jill would say to me, you know, what did you think? Who did you feel was the best? And I just thought it was amazingly interesting seeing like five people read the same scenes and to see the, what different things they brought to it. I couldn't believe it. It was just fascinating to me. It didn't feel like work at all. Like I just thought, well, this is a dream job, you know? Um, so it was just being so fortunate to be exposed to it. And then I loved that when we were, say, doing commercials, we were, I would be like managing the waiting room and I'd meet like a bunch of four-year-olds one day and a bunch of eight-year-olds the next day. And I just was, my head was filled with all the stories they told me and things, ch the chats that had happened in the waiting room. And I just loved then finding out who got the job or meeting so many lovely people and hearing their interesting stories and people from all walks of life and parts of the country and different countries and ages. It was just endlessly fascinating to me and still is that idea of just the people you meet, the, the connections you make and the stories you, you hear and are told and are kind of um, privileged to, to be part of. That's what I love about it. Okay, so you started Ali Coffee Casting in 2002. Um, what inspired you to set up your own casting business? It just felt like the time was right and the time was naturally right. I'd had a great um, apprenticeship and then partnership with Gillian Reynolds and then it just came to a natural kind of fork in the road for us to go our own ways and um, that's where our AC casting came from and um, it's been all go ever since really. How did you find starting up the business? Like, was it tough to get a foothold in the industry here? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough and... Um, like I certainly kind of initially I really needed something else to keep going, like another stream of income to keep going so I could um, so I could wait out the quiet periods. Um, so I used to um, do continuity in RTE every night. Um, so I'd work in, at nighttime there and then I'd be uh, casting during the day or waiting for, for projects during the day essentially. And, uh, and then the projects started to come with a little more frequency and a little more frequency until I, I worked um, during continuity for seven years while I was kind of gaining a foothold, I guess. Um, so that was a good good portion. It was pretty much most of my 20s. Um, so I was lucky to have found that opportunity, which was something that I just, uh, I heard somebody reading continuity, like announcing a program when I, from bed one day, and I was like, I could do that. That could be the thing to tide me over. So I rang up the switchboard in RT, and that came about. That, the fact that that was nighttime and evening work freed up all my days, and, uh, and that was instrumental, I think, in you know enabling me to, to weather the storm a little bit and, and wait out the quiet times. And then when things became more more definite, um, then I was able to eventually go into this, like, exclusively. That's cool. And um, what, what were you doing continuity on? Um, so I was, RT, I was RT2, been, uh, like, the evening voice of RT2 for a number of years, like, for all that time. So kind of writing the scripts and announcing them live, because I think a lot of people don't realize that they're announced live. Um, so you're in your soundproof booth for, for like, a whole evening and then you will like um, you'll kind of press the button and um, to go live and the, the the volume of TV stations around the country will dip and then you say what you're saying so you just have to hope you don't fluff it up <laughs> when you're doing it. So actually this this feeds into like um, well continuity for, and when I was thinking of continuity is like in film it's oh, yeah. mostly um, women and then also what I've noticed in Ireland it's mostly women who are casting directors too so do you have any Remarks on that? Any observations? You know, it's interesting. I know, um, uh, like, pretty much all women in Ireland, um, I can just think of two male casting directors, one of whom's uh, def not uh, casting anymore, I believe. So I don't know. I wonder, is it because of, I, and I'm, I'm not saying this uh, against men, but, like, the number of hats you wear as a casting director of somebody who has a good memory, who is, uh, you know, 
uh, personable, who can direct a, a performance, who can work the figures and the negotiation, who can like all the different stages of a project. Um, there are so many different hats, which is something I love about casting. The, and you were asking me earlier, and, and that's another thing I love about it, that the, the varied roles you play within your role as a casting director. I love that because, again, it keeps it super interesting. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, like is, it's not a coincidence, I'm sure, that it's predominantly women. So I wonder, is, is that one of the reasons that women are, are you know, good at doing very many different things? I, I'm not sure. It's, it seems a bit sexist of me to say, but there must be a reason. And um, it's intriguing to figure out what it might be. Just on, on women in the industry, do you see any changes uh, for actresses? So are there improvements in what's coming down in cast and briefs? steering away from, say, one-dimensional roles? I think things are changing. I hope they are. Then certainly things are, don't change as fast as we would like, but I really feel that, that there's a big seismic shift happening like globally in a number of different areas and that, that people just simply aren't, aren't standing for it being so unequal anymore, um, which is, you know, it's about time. And um, so, yes, I feel things are changing. It'll never be probably quick enough. But yes, I think just that those days of, of male-dominated everything are, are ending across the board, which is great. And so just have you ever been in a situation where you've gone back to a client or a director and said, you can't cast based on, on that or questioned why a character has to look a certain way or... Yeah, these conversations absolutely come up when you're kind of trying to get underneath, like into the, into the project a bit, and um, and yeah, the, all those things get discussed. And sometimes, you know, they sometimes they change along the course of the project, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes there seem to be viable reasons for things, and sometimes they don't, and sometimes there aren't or don't appear to be. Um, so it's a tricky one. Like your power is, um, you know, is relatively limited in that area. I mean, you can certainly propose things and bring them up where you can choose not to do something. And they're, they're your options, I suppose, um, in a way. And maybe it's, maybe it's not a good way to look at it that your power is limited, but you can, uh, you can exert your power by, I suppose, choosing not to be involved in something if it doesn't feel right to you. I suppose if these things have come up in conversation and come up in like, to discussing a project, and I um, think they are more and more. Did you have any standout casting? Uh, casting Michael inside was was pre was pretty, um, you know, inspiring and and a really great experience. And and then we the meeting with um, Alan Gilsenens that was amazing, and that was a very unusual experience because um, it's a true life kind of told in real time tale of a woman's sexual assault and as it happens very uniquely that woman is playing herself and so we were casting around her the, the perpetrator and the social workers who facilitated this meeting which was the first of its kind in Ireland. That was really really incredible experience and working closely with Alan and, and the, the amazing script and, and things like that that was a, a, very, that was a recent um, standout experience yeah because Michael inside did so well. Um, what was the casting process for that? Um, the casting process was, again, it was, it was another unique story and process and um, director and directing style. Uh, Frank Berry had, um, you know, he, he knows so many people and so many actors and knew a lot of what, what he wanted. And so he came to us with his lead in place. And, um, and then we sat down myself and his producer and myself and Katie, and we 
devised a plan of how we would go about casting the other roles, which involved um, kind of us kind of proposing two or three people who we felt would really fit the bill, and then we um, workshopped it. Um, so workshopped with those actors, and then Frank kind of was able to really bring out what he needed from people, and it just became very clear who would fit each role very quickly because his vision was so kind of definite. It was very um, emotional, very raw day, and uh, Katie, who cast here with me, led that with Frank, and she was, I remember um, uh, her telling me right at the end of that, of that workshopping day, when I was in New York, and she was telling me about how just emotional and raw and wrung out she felt at the end of it, like kind of inspired, but people had told so many of their own stories and things uh, related to them of people who were incarcerated for various reasons and things like that, and it just was a very kind of real and, um, you know, and bonding but raw experience. Is that how that process usually happens, or was that a unique way of casting? It was. I mean, workshopping definitely happens as part of the process, but the fact that it was kind of the whole process, I think, is fairly unique. It certainly is in my experience. And it made it very real to kind of stand something up and move it and feel it rather than, you know, to be in a, in a static situation of, like, everybody has their 15 minutes and they come in and they go out and they come in and they come out in a drama project situation. This was like everybody's there to spend the day and to get involved and to interact with each other and to bounce off each other and feed from each other and give to each other. So that that makes it seem very organic, um, I think, the, the process. And we have very small selection of options you know instead of looking at maybe when you might consider five or six or more we were just like looking at two people or three people for for each role um so it was yeah very very interesting audition process which then casting process should i say which really then led to such a, a an amazing film would you prefer to do it that way rather than have people come in in their allotted time slot and just read opposite a reader you know, I think it really depends on the project and the director and the kind of feel of the project of what will work and what they, they would like to do. But yes, it's always, I think, if you can integrate that element into some stage of the process, if not all, that it's really, it's kind and fair to a lot of actors. I think they feel like, you know, that it feels like you have more opportunity to, to relax into something. Instead, it's like, you know, you might necessarily be a good exam taker, but you might be excellent at the subject matter. And the audition process can seem a lot like an exam sometimes, and it's not necessarily a reflection of how well you could embody that role. And would you have any advice for um, new people coming into the acting industry, um, young people in particular? Um, I think, um, you know, training is crucial uh, in whatever form it may happen for you, whether it's whether it's a part-time situation, whether it's dipping in and out of, of classes and workshops, or whether it's full-time. I think you can make that your own depending on your on your life um, and what's right for you. Um, but I think training to hone your skills and then finding some kind of, um, if you're determined to, to, to be an actor, to um, find some kind of flexible job that will support you and allow you to stay in the business for long enough without... Um, feeling huge pressure that each time you go for an audition that it's make or break of rent time because that's too much pressure for anybody to be able to perform well under, I think. Um, whatever your side gig might be, it could be anything from plumbing to taxi driving to writing to all sorts of other things that I can't even conceive of that people are, you know, so creative in the way they live their lives. Maybe it's a, a battery of other things that people do, you know, uh, have loads of irons in the fire. I think that's often a good way to go too. It certainly was for me when I was like starting out and building up business and things to, to have a bit of this going on, a bit of that going on. It took the, it just relieved the pressure somewhat in the quiet periods. We go as far 
was um, uh, Duncan Lacroix, who we cast in Outlander, and, um, and he was actually cast from a self-tape directly, just like one self-tape, and then it went off to, to the producers in the, in the States, and he was cast, and now, then, now he's been in that for several years and has gone off to do all sorts of other brilliant things. And we'd seen him in various plays and things around town, being very strong in small productions. And then he was in his kind of mid-40s when that break happened. And it was fantastic to see somebody just uh, like overnight essentially getting an excellent role, going off and training and horse riding and all of those kind of skills and being in a hugely followed like cult series and on to, on to other things now. That was hugely gratifying and like it made me extremely happy for him. And had you been calling him in for various things all the way along? Absolutely. And no, like, you know, when people are, yeah, and we always knew him to be a, an excellent actor, but his break just hadn't happened. So it's great to witness those moments for people in their lives when it happens. It's definitely the best part of the job. I had a question here about Fish Pond. So what is Fish Pond and why did you set that up? Um, so Fish Pond is a casting database, a casting network, um, essentially where actors, actors subscribe um, to have, their, have a profile on Fishbond, so it would be kind of like an online CV, a place where you can have all of your material. And then casters would log in to find those actors and kind of search by different parameters or post a job and let actors apply themselves. I started Fishbond 10 years ago now um, to essentially because I just thought it was something that was missing in the Irish industry, bringing things online. Um, just knowing that the future of casting could be very much online, and I think it, it is. We created a, um, a, some bespoke technology called Audition Cam, which meant that people could audition right from their smartphone, and it served as it serves as a good way to get to know new actors. So you could consider twenty new actors for a role from your desk, um, and know when they came into the room that they were really viable choices. So um, I'm still firmly believe in technology being a massive part of casting and the future of casting. So I just, I, I was always finding myself like searching around for that one person I met that one time when I was over in Galway casting for that one project and like fervently hoping that I'd find um, that actor's headshot in the bottom of some box file that I had. And I just thought there must be a better way to organize it. So for a long time I'd waited kind of for somebody else to do it. And then one day I thought, oh gosh, maybe I should do it. Um, and that's how it came about. <laughs> auditioning, so being able to audition remotely and um, record an audition from, say, your, your smartphone or your laptop and whiz it off to the caster's kind of desk or dashboard is a great way to save on, to save on cost and time for actors in terms of travel and, and, and in studio hire for other people and all of these things. That it, it's a great way for many more actors to be considered for a, a role than a traditional casting process would allow for. And, um, and no matter where you are, say, in the country or in the world, that you could still be considered for something. But people are getting a lot better, I notice. Um, there are fewer flowery curtain backgrounds and better sound and better lighting and better angles as well. What would be your dream to cast? Um, I really enjoy, one of my passions is casting young people. 
um, teens and early 20s and um, I love kind of, and kids, you know, I love a kind of the opportunity that you have maybe to do a broad search and uncover some new talent of something like somebody who's never, like, who's totally fresh and raw. That's really fun. And I really, I enjoy working with young people a lot. So, um, so maybe something with like some really um, super strong young leads would be a great project for us. If you'd like to find out more about WIFT, or if you'd like to become a member, or want to check out who we are and what we do, visit wft.ie. Thank you for listening. See you again soon.